Welcome to the Emerging Women Podcast, where we hear from brilliant women leaders creating big change in the world. I'm Chantal Purat, your host, and my guest is Rachel O'Mara today, who is starting a movement, The Power of Pause. Rachel was a constant achiever who took on a stretchy position at Google, which led to a lot of feedback, tricky, negative feedback, physically, emotionally, and from others. Rachel authored the book, Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break after she made the intentional decision to get more in line with her true self instead of beating herself up, trying to force a life that was no longer working. In today's podcast, we discuss burnout as a blessing, failure as feedback, and how to recognize signs that you need a pause. Rachel shares specific ways to pause and how to check in with yourself when presented with conflicting options so you stay true to your deep yearnings. And we learn about tasering, a practice Rachel developed to help us mentally floss our brains and limiting false beliefs. I'm glad you're taking this pause in your day to tune into our conversation, Pause, with go-getter turned power pauser, Rachel O'Mara. Hello and welcome, Rachel. How are you? Hello, Chantal. I'm well, thank you. Are you on campus right now at Google? <laughs> I'm not on campus today. I'm actually in my home in San Francisco, but I, I, had a, I was thinking about going in, but I'm actually flying out tonight to Florida to see my mom and stepdad. So I figured I would stay here and work from home today. Nice. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, it's a nice little pause. Nice little pause. It's a pause from my day. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Always. So you're starting a movement, basically, The Power of Pause. You've just written this amazing book on pause. And I'd love to start out with what do you mean by pause? And I know you were a rower, which is so cool in New York City, and that was sort of a gateway to you, the, this whole concept. And so maybe tell us how you arrived at the concept earlier than when you were at Google, even like the very first seed when that was planted in you. Yeah, for sure. So, wow, there's a lot I can j- jump into. So uh, what, what, what really uh, happened to me essentially was, I think kind of setting the stage, I've always been an achiever, you know, like many of us, I've been wired to be successful. to kind of type A personality. I was raised in the Rust Belt in Syracuse, New York, and, uh, and I've been a go-getter. And so I really didn't have in my, uh, yeah, my DNA a, a way to, to slow down naturally or that felt really okay. So my, my whole life leading up to Google was a lot about go, go, go and achieving. And I was a rower. So I had this also ingrained where I'd be up before work and after work practicing on the water. And that was part of what, what was my, my world. And then what happened in 2011 
when I was at Google, I reached a breaking point. I pretty much reached a point where I wasn't, things weren't going the way that they had been going pretty much in my world where I was successful at things. And I was in a mental rut, I call it, where I really didn't know what was going on, why I wasn't being successful anymore. And I couldn't, for the life of me, understand what had changed. So pausing really wasn't part of my world in, in a big way, like it ha- was once I realized this, where I decided at Google to take this three-month unpaid break. And that was, I think, a launch into another world for me where I really had an opportunity to be with myself in a new way, not just be focused on achieving, but it was actually a, a turning point where I got an opportunity to look at my life in a, and, and, and it was a little scary too, to just really be with myself and, and think about what wasn't working and what could I do to shift and how I could change things. Kind of the, the impotence. Right. So in the beginning of your career, here you are in New York, you're a total achiever oriented go-getter. I mean, you're getting up at what time to... Ambivalent achiever is what I would call it too. Yeah. Kind of like achieving for the sake of achieving. And, and uh, yeah, I was getting up, I was, I was competitively rowing. So I was rowing with the New York athletic club and and training at a pretty high level where I was going for national championships and rowing was something I'd done since high school. So I loved it. I'm a big enthusiast and I still enjoy it. However, it's a very demanding sport, as you probably know. So there was just a lot that I was focused on uh, in my life that was really about, like, basically winning and being the best at what I could do. Right. And then there's part in your book where you're talking about, like, you know, I mean, I just got to imagine, like, you're getting up at whatever, five. I, I dated a rower. Uh, he was stroke and in college, and he was up at 4.30. And, you know, I went to UMass mm-hmm. Amherst, so there was, like, yeah. you know, I wasn't hanging out with anybody besides him that was getting up at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> but it's quiet, right? I mean, it's, it's a, quiet. it just feels like, you know that's a time where you are with yourself, you know, it's like you in the water or whatever. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, yeah. and I was struck by that as being like something that kind of, you know, in your book, you say that really influenced you. And then, and then it was crazy achievement and amazing career and all that stuff. And there was not really anything in your life that had that same sort of anchor to the silence. Yeah. Even you just sharing that to me brings me back. And I'm like, whoa, but that awesome time. And, and you're, you're right. So anyone who's been on the water in terms of like being in a boat, you don't have to be rowing. You could just be in a canoe or, or, or like a raft. <laughs> uh, the idea is this tranquility that's all around yeah. you. and You're surrounded literally by water. And to me, uh, when I, I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, this was in the book where really being on that water every morning at 5.30 with the sunrise was this whole way to, to be with myself that was in a pause. So I call a pause any intentional shift in behavior that brings about an emotion or a change or a thought that wouldn't have occurred otherwise. And for rowing, that space uh, in the morning that I created for myself while I was out in nature on the water was a shift in behavior for me. Like it was this 
it was like a time where I could be with myself, but also in my body, you know, you're really physical in the boat moving around and you're using all your muscles and there's this like drop in for being really present because you have to know what the boat feels like and adjust these little minor technical movements and then be with yourself so that you can like really bring out your force that is needed. So pausing on the water, rowing to me was a way I was pausing. I had no idea at the time, but it really was like a meditation, like a mindful way to be with myself. And it was, I think, why I and why many others are attracted to the sport and are so passionate about it, because it brings you into this space that isn't accessible, likely, without a lot of that being part of the, the moment where you're out in nature and you're really focused hundred percent on the task at hand, being in the flow, literally like that yeah. state of, uh, of, of being in flow with, with, with where you are. And then, and then allowing yourself to be in that space and, and rowing to me was my first intro really into that, into that world. Right. And what's interesting also is then you had a successful career at DoubleClick, you moved to San Francisco, things are going well, you're at Google, you take on a stretchy role, a role that you're not really familiar with. And I so appreciate your honesty about this because I think a lot of people, especially if they're writing books, you know, don't like to admit that they're getting negative feedback. You know, I mean, Mm. that's... But that was part of your story. Yeah. This was like one of your signs. So what happened there that you were, I think a lot of people in our audience are not, you know, are striving to really find a work situation that is directly in line with the truth of who they are. And so, you know, getting negative feedback can actually be a gift, right? In your case, it was a total gift. So Tell us a little bit more about like what actually was going on and and how that was a trigger for the pause. Yeah. Well, I, I, what happened to me, as I mentioned, it, it was the kind of crux where I was shifting into the space that things weren't going well. And, And I would say it was even reframing that into constructive feedback, right? Like we always think of negative and it automatically changes how we think. We're even right there in the sentence. It's like a, a, a little, a little signal. Our brains are going to latch onto and be like, Oh no, what's happening? What's, what's wrong? And then, you know, being, being in a place where I'm getting feedback back in, back at this point, uh, it was very telling to me that these were little signs. This was a sign from my manager and from the others at work who, my manager says that she felt like a broken record and literally uh, I was a little in denial. So for me, I was like, really? Huh? Like, I don't, I don't think so. What's going on here. And then up until then I was in this successful achiever mode, like we talked about. So it was a shock. It was a big, it was a big like jolt to my system. And uh, what happened was, it kept happening really. So I continued to show up at work and be like, okay, today's going to be different. I'm going to prove and be the person that like I'm supposed to be here and I'm going to maybe knock it out of the park today. And it wasn't about effort. I was putting in all the effort possibly could muster, but whatever was going on, it still wasn't working. So to me, it was a wake up call. It was me knowing a new part of myself. that's like, Hey, Rachel, maybe you should look at something a little different here because clearly what you're doing isn't working. And it wasn't about effort. It wasn't about 
striving to do more. So that was a, it was a really interesting component of it. And I think of bless, I, I think of, uh, of burnout as a blessing almost. And, and I know it's, it's horrible at the time when we're going through it and a, and a lot of us have been there, but to me, that's what the silver lining was. That's, that was in my case, the blessing because I actually knew I had to change something because I couldn't continue on the path I was on. I was feeling run down. I didn't feel like my mental capacity was in a healthy space. I was really tired, exhausted, not happy and dreading going into work. Cause then I was thinking, wow, maybe, maybe I'm going to do the same. Even though I had these aspirations to do better at the same time, my, 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 negative mindset or my, my mental chatter was saying, you know, Rachel, you're just going to show up the same way today. Why are you even bothering to go in or something like that? So I had the conflict in my head constantly doing different things. And so I knew I had to take myself out of that space. And I didn't even think that that was an option, this three month unpaid break in my case, until I really had someone else suggest it to me. And uh, I talk about that a little bit in the book where I was thinking of leaving. I wanted to quit. I was like, this isn't working anymore. I'm not sure what's going on, but I, I don't think I'm either. I don't think it's going to continue in a good way if I stay. And, and I don't think I'm going to be happy and my, my team won't be happy and I'm just going to quit. And then I actually had a friend suggest to me, well, doesn't Google have a sabbatical program? And I was like, this light bulb went off. And I was like, Wow. I think so. Uh, I should look into that. And and so in my case, I'm really lucky to be at a company that had that type of uh, an opportunity. I know a lot of us don't have that. In fact, there's only 14% of global companies that offer unpaid leave mm-hmm. and 4% that offer paid leave. So it's not, in my case, it was a long break, but I think a pause can be for everyone and it can be built into your day in a daily way. It doesn't have to be some long break. It could be a weekend. Really is up to you as an individual and what time you can allot for it. But it's, the key is it's intentional and it's a shift in how you are so that you can have, a, have an introspective or self-aware idea of what you could change and want to change or being more aligned with what works for you and being more satisfied and not having to go through a whole ongoing time where things aren't going great. Yeah. And in your book, you have a question in there. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? And when someone asked you that question, how did that feel at the time you hear you are right in the middle of your burnout, you're about to quit. How was that relevant for you? Yeah. So this was in the same conversation as discovering about this idea of taking an unpaid break. And my, my friend Sue turned to me on the phone. It was actually on video conference. It's like, well, what if you couldn't fail? And that was something that her boss had mentioned to her as a mentor. And I, it, it gave me great food for thought because then I really took it seriously and thought about, well, yeah, what if I couldn't fail? And I actually hadn't really considered that. And I was so scared of failing and being the achiever I was that it was a daunting idea to even think about it. Like, wow, well, well, when the wheels fall off the bus, if I'm, if I'm going to leave and, and be managed out of Google or change, am I a failure in everything? So to me, it was a question to consider that I really hadn't had on my radar at all. 
and really opened me to thinking about things differently because all of a sudden things weren't framed in this nice box of being a corporate person and doing so well and, and succeeding in life. It was like, well, what if this was just an exercise in showing up and being in a, being in a way that works for you, being myself, being in a, uh, a way that isn't so stressful or de like demoralizing in a way that I'm feeling miserable every day. It was a complete shift for me and allowed me to kind of entertain that as a question. And I hadn't, I hadn't even thought of it. Yeah. So it was another little mini wake up call, but really allowed me to know more about myself. And, and I'm so grateful that that came up in that conversation. I know when I read that question, I was like, wow. I mean, I feel like we should ask ourselves this question, like at least once a week. You know, like, what would you do this week if you knew you wouldn't fail? Just to make sure that we're not just like, you know, living yeah. out the prescribed or prescripted life. And right. in my case, I'm just like, well, I would be doing emerging women, you know, so it's the same. So I was very <laughs> grateful for that. I was like, yes. Okay. Not that I, I feel like I could integrate some of this pause into my life and my day for sure. And I want to talk more about that, how we do that, you know, daily. But, um, but that question really struck a chord with me and I thought it was super useful. It's a very useful. Yeah. And, and I also heard recently that another, another way to think about it is feed, uh, failure is feedback. It's not a necessarily failure. This is a framing thing where in our head, we just equate failure with with uh, being unsuccessful. And that's not necessarily what we have to think of it. Like yeah. if you, like we use, what if I ask myself every day, what if I failed today? I bet, uh, you know, you could think about it like, well, what feedback would I get today? And it's, and it's about being, being what, being in what aligns with you, taking risks and being aligned with how you can show up. And that answer will change probably every day if we even asked it. But I love the idea of asking it daily. That's pretty Pretty good, pretty good idea. Right. Now, you have a, a chapter on the signs that you need a pause. Obviously, we've talked about yours, meaning you're, you're getting certain feedback. and But you have one that's interesting. It's an intervention. So some kind of intervention separates you from either your work or technology. And that's kind of a, a hot one here because I think a lot of us are kind of addicted to technology. And when it goes, I mean, it's just like total mayhem. So tell us a little bit more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I talk about the five signs, you know, you need a pause. And again, a pause is any intentional shift in behavior. And one of them is what you mentioned, you have an intervention, and it separates you from work or technology. The idea is this could be a friend, a colleague, someone who cares about you, who's pretty much noticing that you're maybe not fully present when you should be. Maybe your relationships are not going so great, whether it's work or, or personal. And so it really is literally someone who says something along the lines of an intervention, like, hey, do you think you could put your phone down for five minutes? Or <laughs> in my case, uh, I was really tethered to my email and my, my laptop for work. And I, I had a friend on the first day of that 90 day unpaid break, tell me, Rachel, you spend way too much time with technology. 
So that was my intervention. And then I actually did say, is this my intervention? And she laughed, I laughed, but it was true. It was really a kind of come to Jesus moment for me where it was like, wow, uh, this is not a good thing to be tethered to my technology. And if I know I can't pull myself away from technology, if I'm checking my phone, the first thing I get up in the morning or when I go to the bathroom at night or when I'm supposed to be really in, be in be present with someone in a conversation or dinner, and I'm instead thinking about what I need to do and doing that on my phone or other digital device, then that's pretty much a sign that uh, my intervention is is here, <laughs> and I need to shift. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a big one, I think, in our world. I have a whole chapter on digital device pausing. I call it a DVP, uh, where it's about how can you pause from technology? And it's not about never accessing it, but it's about, again, what works for you. And I feature a few people who I think have great examples of what they've done to pause from technology. And uh, actually, a couple of them you, you, you are familiar with. Danielle Laporte is in the book where I feature her as she took a month off and her team took some month off after she published the fire starter sessions. Uh-huh. And she said it was this amazing opportunity to really detox from what she was connected to and revitalize her creative energy to be back in the flow of wanting to do projects again. Cause that's a big deal. putting together a, a big comprehensive publication that in that way. So that's one. And then Tiffany Schlein, who's a movie, uh, movie filmmaker, producer, she has something called the Tech Shabbat, which is a pretty cool idea. From Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, her and her family do not use digital anything. I think they're all homegrown and they spend the time as a family together. They are off their devices and plan accordingly. So literally, if you're going somewhere in a car, you print the map out before. So you don't have to check your GPS. Like that's a pretty cool thing. And uh, I think so many of us are just so game and tuned in to be always on, or we live in a world that expects us to be always on. It's up to us to make the choices and the boundaries that will serve us. So it might mean you have your phone in your hallway and not check it after 8 p.m. or not use social media. That's a new one I've just created is not be on social media on the weekends. And that came from the Tech Shabbat idea and National Unplugging Day, which was March 3rd. So there's all kinds of things that that can take and and form, but that's a big one, especially with all of us so plugged in right now. Yeah. Oh, such a good one. Uh, I need to to do that one. I keep it out of my bedroom, so there's no, you know, the phone's not good. Yeah, so that's good, but yeah, I need to do more. You have a concept that you call yearning, and why is this important as you're mm. figuring out whether or not you should pause and how to pause? Yeah, yeah. So, so I actually have the concept about yearnings, which are your deepest hungers, and I, I've borrowed this from Judith Wright, who's one of my mentors and teachers at the Wright Foundation and Wright Graduate University in Chicago. So this is actually her uh, studying from Uh, learning about what and how to follow your deepest yearning. So we all are born with our biggest hungers in life, right? To matter, to love and be loved, to be, uh, to be alive, to feel alive, to learn, to serve, like whatever it is, there's this just basic platform of, of hunger. And a lot of the time 
we live our lives not really aligned with those. We think we are. We might be doing things on the surface that we feel serve us, but they may not. They're actually more like these surface level wants. We do just call it these soft addictions. But the main idea is that when we live in align with our yearnings, so if I can actually ask myself, what am I yearning for right now in this very moment? And maybe it comes out as a, a want, but if I ask myself, well, so that what? What is that? If I want to check my phone, so that what? So I want to connect. Oh, okay. So my yearning is that I want to connect. That's a, a really good thing to know because if I can actually create actions and engage to follow those yearnings, then I'm going to be more satisfied because I'm actually fulfilling those deeper hungers and getting those met. And it can lead to all kinds of things where I'm feeling a lot more joy. I could be more engaged and feel just validated and affirmed because I'm actually getting these things. So yearnings are a really good way to check in and see how I'm aligned right now. And maybe I'm doing things that I don't even care about, but for whatever reason, they're on, they're on my radar. I've just always done them or someone else had, had, had been doing them with me. And now it's really not something I want to do. Uh, so that is just such an important thing to be aware of. And when we can, can we tap into those yearnings and be conscious of them, then our whole world can change because we can choose actions that align with those things. And again, it's getting those deep universal hungers met that really fulfill and drive us every moment that we are here, moment by moment, day by day. And they change all the time. But the core is they're always there. We can ignore them. We can tune into them. But when we know they're there and we can align with them, then we are on the path to being more satisfied and living more meaningfully all the time. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, you and know, it's kind of like a, a circle because you need to have some pause in your life in order to hear the yearning or to understand what yeah. you're yearning for. And then the yearning will, will bring you like exactly. more of that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So if I'm not pausing and I'm just going on the treadmill or doing whatever I need to do in my routine, chances are I'm not conscious of what I'm yearning for. Uh -huh. And it's not like I'm going to know that all the time. But the, the reality is, as people, we're on autopilot a lot. And that's how we've existed for, for the lifespan of humanity. And now we're in this world where we have choice. We have conscious choice. And we're using our, our prefrontal lobe, our, our cerebral thinking brain to make those choices and tune into that. And then that can just be a marvelous way to know more about you. So be more self-aware. And when you pause, that's that knowledge that in wisdom that can and does emerge if you allow that space. Yeah. Let's go to like examples of pauses. I know you had one woman who was doing one weekend a month, like give us a range. I know you, yeah. you had a long pause which is fabulous. But like you said, only 14% of companies. And if you're an entrepreneur, forget it, <laughs> you know, especially right, right. if you're an entrepreneur raising money or you have kids and a family. I mean, so I'm interested also in, you know, the, the, the creative ideas that some of the, some of the people that you've worked with have come up with to insert this into their, yeah. into their lives. Yeah. The beauty of a pause is that I, I think it can work for virtually anyone knowing you've got a couple of levers and the levers are money, time frame, or activity. So I talk about this in the book, but the idea is that literally a pause can be something that you implement in your daily routine. So the idea is that you're not 
doing something that's long and extended, if you don't have the time, you can literally build in a daily pause or multiple daily pauses. And the biggest, easiest one, most obvious one for a lot of people is literally following the breath, right? So if I'm a busy entrepreneur or I've got a huge thousand list on my uh, thousand things on my to-do list, I can stop, <laughs> choose to stop, and then literally just take one deep breath. And then I'm exhaling right now. And, auto, and actually just change how my whole system is wired there because I'm allowing myself to inhale and exhale a little slower, potentially shifting my parasympathetic nervous system so that I'm able to be a little more calm and change the whole dynamic in my body on an emotional level. So that's one example. And I love that one because it's super easy. You can do it in literally five seconds and maybe shift or think about something else. Uh, so that's, that's a really easy one. That's the daily breath pause. Then there's other ways you can do that. And I like to think of pauses as well as something you wouldn't normally do. So this is potentially things that are outside of your comfort zone, but are something new that you're introducing. So it might be taking a class. It could be going away on a solo retreat for a weekend. Uh, a class could be a day or it could be a workshop. It could be a multiple, it could be like an improv class that you take over six weeks. And again, the idea is that you're shifting your behavior. It's intentional. And that might bring new ideas into your world or new creative space. And it's also a passion. So you're probably aligning with those yearnings again to create or to learn uh, to matter. So, so that's a pretty cool thing to do too. And it can be as well uh, doing something that maybe involves other people. So you're engaging in an in, in a encounter with someone or a group of people that you wouldn't normally be with. Or saying something that may feel, might feel a little risky, like complimenting someone or sharing a constructive criticism that might really help someone know themselves better because they didn't see it themselves. Uh -huh. Even on all of those pauses, uh, there's a couple really good pauses I talk about in my book that are, again, you could fit these into a daily pause, but a nature walk. I mean, these are kind of obvious, but a walk around the block when you're really stressed out and it takes 10 minutes. Uh, is a great way to recalibrate, refresh and renew. And the idea is that when we allow those opportunities and choose to follow them, it allows us to connect with ourselves. You might be a little more relaxed and you can even check in and say, how am I doing right now? What am I feeling right now? And be with yourself in a new way that instead of being on that autopilot mode or in task mode, we're not necessarily plugged into that and we're not feeling or being so aware of what we need in the moment. Yeah. Uh, so those are, those are a few. We talked about the digital device pausing, which yeah. is important. And then I also think there's a, a, a good way to use time if there's an unintentional pause. So sometimes life throws us a curveball, right? We might get laid off or there's a period of time you weren't expecting to not be working or involved with an activity. And now you've got all this time on your hands or even a short period of time, but it's like a, a big change in your life. So there might be a challenge that's come up or something that's shifted that isn't like a, like a health challenge, uh, a relationship ends or begins. There's these new ways to be. So pausing during that time, and I think journaling is a really good thing to be doing too, where we can actually activate parts of our brain that don't necessarily think in the ways that when we speak, when we write things, we can choose to think about things a little differently and self-reflect as well. 
but we can do that about those challenges. And that's a pause. Even journaling is a pause. And again, it's about the intention. So there's just a number of ways that you can take into account ways that you can pause depending on your situation, depending on what you need right now. And that's why it's so important to check in with your feelings, your emotions, and those yearnings, because they can all lead to knowing more about what you need. And that's really the name of the game is to be more aligned with what you need so that you can be more satisfied and have more meaning in, in everything. Yeah. And also just no more burnout, basically. I mean, if you're doing these and, pauses and you're following your truth and you're paying attention to your yearning and it just feels like that's the best way to prevent the burnout. It is. It's a, so the key, uh, what I've learned from my, my work with the right foundation and I study this and I'm in classes for it is that when we engage and we choose to follow those yearnings, uh, and Judith has done research on this, we do feel more fulfilled. And, and when we can do that moment by moment, day by day, and it takes practice, right? This is a new way to live. It might be a habit you're creating. Our world can change. And on the outside, it might not look any different. People we know and the friends that we have and the work colleagues that we work with every day may not have any clue any of that's going on, but you are shifted how you're now engaging with yourself. And when you can follow those instead of blocking your yearning, so when you decide not to call your friends because you want to connect, or you decide maybe to stay home at one evening, and that might be okay, but just depending on what you need, that might be blocking your connection to want to reach out and be with people. And like, there's just all different data points that you can check in on for yourself. And when you know about those things, it really helps. Yeah. Super helpful. I have a, a yeah. live example in my brain right now, and you've just convinced me I was supposed to take a, a workshop this weekend, and it's going to be 80 degrees here in Boulder for Saturday and Sunday, and the last thing I wanted to do was do this workshop for two full days, even though it's the content's wonderful, and I'm like, I just don't want to do it. So there we go, and I yeah. was going to do it because I was going to learn something, and it was going to help my business, and but yet really what I want to do is spend my time with my family family. So, mm. you know, it's that constant missed opportunity, like fear of missing out the FOMO, like, oh, if I don't take this workshop, yeah. I'm going to be behind in, you know, in my business. Mm. And yeah, so but really, my that's yearning, a great. Yeah. Well, that's a great example, Chantal. So we always have these conflicts, there might be maybe five things we want to do, or even like the two you mentioned. And so the, the key is to check in and say, maybe you think about one. So, okay, I'm going to do this workshop. What am I, how am I feeling? And this is a pause being like, okay. Uh, and, and we actually talk about five primary feelings within the right foundation. So there's fear, hurt, joy, sadness, and anger. And then of course there's millions of other feelings, but if we could pick one of those five, you can ask yourself, how am I feeling right now? Fear, hurt, joy, sadness, anger, and say, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling some joy, but like, I'm kind of feeling fear because then I'm not going to see my family. And then you can say, okay, well, how am I feeling about being with my family? And then you kind of like pause, check in, fear, hurt, joy, sadness, anger. Oh, I'm feeling so much joy. Like, I can't wait to have dinner and create it together, whatever the, the example is, go outside. Um, and you can just kind of take that data from your own self-awareness and probably know what you yearn for more. And the idea is the biggest yearnings are the ones if we can engage and follow those, we're going to feel more fulfilled. 
And maybe there's time for that class a little later. But when you do that little check-in and pause to do that, um, yearnings are connected to feelings. You can probably get some more data to take more, to make more decisions and do do what serves you. Yeah. In the best way. Got it. So we have time for one more deep dive here. And I don't want to end the podcast without talking about mental flossing and how you tackle yeah. limiting, limiting beliefs. And you have a system called tasering. So tell us mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is a whole chapter. This is a whole chapter in pause called mental flossing. And, and the analogy is imagine you are flossing your brain, right? Just like your teeth. You got your, your I'm a huge flosser. I had a nickname named uh, Flossy. And, and then I was a roller because I'd be flossing my teeth at 5.15 in the morning. But you can <laughs> mentally floss your thoughts, right? And like, that's the whole idea. So the, that's the concept of mental flossing. And then I also came up with this acronym called tasering. So the other idea is, you know, imagine your taser gun. You've got this little gun. You can zap things, right? You can just like point it at something and it zap and it, and it dissolves. And the idea is that if you have a belief or a block that you want to taser or zap your thoughts, then you can do that using this five-step process. And each of those letters stands for one. So I'll walk you through that right now. And actually, we can all do this if you want, where you can think of a belief uh, something that isn't necessarily true about you, but something that might have held you back even today. Maybe you're in traffic or you're in traffic now and you're just like, oh, why can't I plan anything to be on time? Or, you know, it could be anything. So the first step is T for taser, tune in. Okay, so you tune in and say, wow, I just had this belief. Um, I'm, just, I'm just maybe feeling angry or you can t- take an emotion and, and just be more aware of what's going on. So that's tuning in. Then the next one, A, stands for acknowledge. Acknowledge that belief and what the emotion you have is. So maybe in my case, I'm in traffic and I'm angry. So I acknowledge that and say, ah, okay. So the, the belief I have is that I, I'm, not, I'm not enough to plan on, on time to get somewhere. So the belief I have is I'm not enough. Okay, well, and I'm angry. That's, that's what it is. And there's no judgment. It's simply data. And then S, so we're up to S, is to shift that belief into something that is more updated, more accurate about yourself. And the way I like to think of this is it's literally the opposite of probably what you just thought. So I'm not enough to plan on time. So, so maybe my new belief is I am enough, period. And that's kind of really general, but that's the belief that I want to create. That's the updated belief that I want to have. And this is a big one for me. I am enough. So that's that's shifting. And uh, the next what letter in taser is E. So express this, express this new belief. And again, it's the opposite of probably what you thought your, your false or limiting belief was. So E is just saying it out loud is actually helping to rewire your brain a little bit. So I am enough. I can say that I'm enough. I'm okay. I'm, I'm enough. And when I say that out loud, or I think that, and express it, I could say it outside, I could write it down in a journal. Uh, that to me is also validating that belief and starting to shift how I think about things. And then the last letter R in taser is to literally repeat that every time you catch a false belief. Uh, so the more that you can check in and catch these, and it does take practice. This is our brains trying to override on autopilot all the things that are keeping us the way we are. 
when you repeat that, when you do have a false belief, you can go through that process, the taser steps, and increase your awareness and over time, intentionally shift that behavior so that that is your new belief and you'll be uh, the nice, kind voice to yourself and can be moving and shifting out of those false beliefs over time. That's what the taser method is. Nice. Yeah, I sort of had a couple in my brain as we were going through that. So it's nice. It's a great practice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so anyone listening here, I know a lot of times uh, we're out there in the world doing doing things in addition to listening to podcasts. So if there's anything that's going on even right now where you've got a belief, like I, would, I think it's a great exercise and opportunity to just pause and do this. So take a moment even after this podcast or as we went and walked through that, what, what does this mean for you? Always ask yourself, how does this apply to me? And you will likely go through something that would be a, a new way to look at things or an observe, observation and that's really all it is. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I feel so calm. Um, <laughs> all thank this talk you. of pause thank is giving me pause. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit, uh, I, I like to say, create the space to find your truth. Yeah. And I think that every time we pause, we can do that and we have the choice to do that so hopefully we found a little more truth today about who we are and uh i'm glad you feel calm thank you okay so um (laughs) well i can't wait to see you again i don't know when that's going to be but thank you so much take care rachel thanks chantal bye-bye bye